Welcome to the Eat Move Live 52 podcast. Today I'm talking to Mark Young of Personal Trainer Development Center and Christ Centered Fitness. We are talking goal setting, New Year's resolutions, and resolutions for any time of the year. Let's get started. Hey everybody, welcome to the Eat Move Live 52 podcast. We have special guest today, Mark Young of Christ Centered Fitness and the head trainer, wait, head <laughs> head of education. Is that right, Mark? Head of education for yes. the Personal Training Development Center. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I've been uh, I've known Mark um, online for quite a few years, and um, the originally. Um, you know, he was always there, sort of, uh, sort of on my radar. But one time, and I don't, I've asked him before whether he remembers this, and I, he doesn't remember the specifics. But somebody had asked in on Facebook what the best, how to choose a good treadmill or something like that, or like I just can't do any cardio at home, so I want to get a good treadmill. Like, what's the best way to do a treadmill workout or something like that if you don't have a good treadmill? And Mark said, stand up, lay down on the ground. Stand back up, lay down on the ground, stand back up, and repeat until uh, until you're done with your cardio. And that just cracked me up because um, people make things so complicated, and if they don't have everything perfect and in place, they 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 tend to do nothing. So that sort of matter of fact and just like right back right back at you kind of a common sense approach really sort of endeared me to. Uh, to Mark Young, so Mark Young, thank you, and I've recommended your uh, your 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 manual treadmill. I don't know what you would call that, but, <laughs> but I've recommended that to many people, and I've even tried it, and it's really hard. Honestly, it's one of those things. Like it completely sounds like something I would say. Um, I believe that they have a fancy name called lay down stand up, so I like to call them. <laughs> and uh, it's like three thousand dollars cheaper than a treadmill, so I really thought that was a. Uh, you know, a suitable solution, at least until you, I mean, most people's treadmills end up being like very expensive coat hangers. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I just, you know, I generally encourage people to at least establish some kind of a regular exercise habit before investing $3,000 <laughs> in a, in a coat hanger. Yeah, yeah. It's surprising how many people, like um, I deal with a lot of uh, people over Skype and a lot of times you, I sort of, you know, I end up seeing them like in their, um, like in their office, like they're doing their Skype recording in their office or something like that. And it is surprising how many people are Skyping from, with a, with a treadmill in the background and you ask them like, how, you know, how are they doing? Like, how do they do that? Like, how often do they use it? And they're like, um, well, that's pretty much how you see it, looking right there with the clothes, hang, clothes hanging <laughs> on it and stuff like that. Yeah, so it's pretty uh, it's pretty funny, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, pretty much the state of affairs, right? I think even with some of the exercise machines and stuff, you know, I'll see like, hey, is that a gazelle in the back? Like, yeah, Tony Little. I had that for 15 years, you know, so. That is but, so yeah. funny, yeah. Yeah, so there's definitely like a lot of stuff. I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with the treadmill if you're going to use it, um, yeah. but it's just uh, you know make sure if you're gonna if, you know make sure you're really going to do something before you invest in it because there's like so many different ways that you can uh, you can exercise without something without something big and expensive, and then if you want to add something like that later, absolutely can. Well, yeah, I know. Like you know, I think about my daughter who's just starting skateboarding. She's seven. She saved up and bought her own skateboard. She saved up $50 and went to the store and bought her own skateboard. But, I mean, there would have been no point in buying, you know, a $200 skateboard when we're not even sure if she's going to stick with the $50 skateboard. Consequently, she did, and she loves it. And, you know, it might be time to upgrade, but it's just like a treadmill or something, right? You want to start with – at least make sure you're interested before you start investing money in that in that path, right? Absolutely. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you might find that, you know, there's like, I mean, somebody asked me uh, the other day what my fitness predictions were for 2017. And one of the things that I said and some of the people out on, on Facebook had said was that um, more natural movement and 
sort of like rolling and tumbling and climbing and things like that. And when they're hopefully with that sort of a trend effectively take off, maybe people will uh, set the treadmill uh, the treadmill budget aside for some uh, some more outdoorsy clothing and or some some mats to roll around on something like that. Yeah, if you got three thousand dollars, you can give it to me. I'll come over and tell you to lay down, <laughs> stand up all day long. Yeah, I I mean it's not that I'm averse to treadmills. I personally I like to walk on a treadmill and listen to a podcast and. And stuff like that. It's just historically, I've not seen them used as frequently as maybe you know you might you might hope. So you know, I don't I don't hate on them or anything. But if you can get out there and walk in nature or things like that, I mean, I would definitely encourage that before before doing it and sitting in your house, right? Yeah, exactly. But personal preferences, obviously. Yeah. Now, Mark, you're up in Canada. Yes, I'm about uh, an hour or so west of Toronto. All right, so it's cold and um, it's very cold and snowy, <laughs> I would imagine. You know, one of the things that I think people buy treadmills for is because they can't get outside. Right. And um, do you have a treadmill? I don't have a treadmill in my house. Um, we do have gyms here, so I mean, obviously, we can just go to the gym if uh, if we want to do something like that. And uh, but of course, in the house, you can always do. You know, to me, like, I, I don't fixate on too many of the deal, details with regards to cardiovascular stuff. I mean, if somebody likes doing Zumba or Turbo Jam or, you know, as long as they're doing something cardiovascular that they enjoy, I mean, you can do it in your living room or you can, I mean, if you're one of those people who likes the great outdoors and the cold, you can do that. I'm not one of those. But, I mean, uh, another big thing up here, too, is, is mall walking. Like, the mall's all open like an hour before the stores open so people like go in and like basically do laps of the mall before the stores open i don't know if you guys have that where you are but that's pretty common around here especially in the winter months well we do have that but it's mostly um it's a lot of senior citizens that do that Be- um yeah because i mean here in california it's pretty much outdoors you can you, can, you know today it's raining and uh it's like like oh the sky is falling you know it's raining in california um but most days you can get outside and and do something yeah i mean winter winter is difficult here i mean it was i don't know what uh what it is in fahrenheit it was about minus 20 celsius which is just painfully bone chilling bone chillingly cold the other day so those are the days where you might find something to do at home you know Minus 20 Celsius. I think that's. I think there's a certain point where the temperatures would meet. I think that's around minus 20 Fahrenheit as well. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. It's just real cold. That is. <laughs> that's cold enough. Yeah. 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 We don't. It, here it gets down to maybe um, the, the the coldest in my area it gets down to about uh, 30, 30, 35, something like that, which is like zero for you. Okay. That's. So yeah, you're so still wearing still be, you're still wearing your shorts. And... Yeah, I would still be in a t-shirt at that temperature. Yeah, at the start of winter, we have an ongoing joke around here is that like at the start of winter, when it hits freezing, you know everybody's everybody's like bundled up, and then in the spring, when it starts to warm up again, you know when it hits zero and it's like peeling off, got their sandals back on, because it's just like oh springtime is here. It's, you be- know? it's beach weather. Yeah. That's funny. That's funny. So. Well, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was um, it's, you know, winter, Christmas and stuff like that is uh, the holiday season. But uh, New Year's is coming up right. and it's quickly coming up. And this is the year when everyone starts posting their their New Year's resolutions or they don't they don't post them. And they, they do. But, you know, there's people who don't. And. This comes up every couple of years, I mean, every year or so for us in our in our groups and our, a lot of our readers ask like for our resolutions or they want, you know, and it's just really common for, I think, for people to find, to pick resolutions that they, that they probably know in advance, but if they really think about it, they just can't hit or they won't hit or they're not willing to hit, right, right. right? So I thought it'd be a great topic to talk about um, resolution setting, and it's uh, you know goes hand in hand I think with goal setting. What do you what's your what's your take on resolutions? So I would 
ultimately, I mean, for me personally, I would like to start a New Year's revolution, mm-hmm. so some resolutions where people aren't setting these these really ridiculous um, numerical goals, I guess. Um, one of the one of the ideas that was proposed to me by a good friend of mine two years ago, you know, we were talking about she's not in the fitness industry, she's a fiction writer, and we were talking about how, you know, for us in the fitness world, this is our you know, as much as we might discourage people from crazy resolutions, I mean, it's a busy time of year for us. Um, and I was talking to her about that, and she said when, what she likes to do each year is instead of having a resolution, that she that she decides on a theme for the year. Oh, that sounds good. And the theme then doesn't focus so much on the outcome of what's going to happen over the course of the year. But it focuses more on the behaviors or the actions that you're going to take throughout the course of the year. So, for the for example, if that theme of that year was was health or was physical fitness or was you know weight loss or whatever that that theme would be, then there's not like a, I'm going to lose 30 pounds. It's the the direction that matters more so than the end, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And that just really helped me to sort of solidify in my own mind, like, yeah, like, because that's kind of the practice or the approach that I like to take with clients is to have sort of this, you know, not that we don't measure outcomes. You want to measure to make sure you're going the right direction, obviously, but but to focus on the behaviors and that are going to carry you in the right direction, and then the outcomes ultimately take care of themselves. So that's a really big focus for me is to help people kind of define what the theme of their year would be and focus more on the the behaviors as opposed to the numerical goals. Does that make sense? It does make sense. What do you think, like you have an example of like what kind of a, of a couple of different themes? Well, for me specifically, um, a couple of years ago, I, um, I, I, I was, that my friend had mentioned this to me and I was like, wow, that's really, really interesting. And, uh, I was thinking about it. And at the time, um, you know, we were spending time, it was a friend of mine from church. We were in church. We were talking about it. And I was like, all right, I need a theme for this year. I was thinking about it. And we we're during our church, we have a, a prayer period at the start of each year. And so I was praying about it and that the word stewardship came to my mind. So I looked this up. And because I, I, you know, I don't have a really good understanding of what that meant. And the stewardship simply means to manage resources, so to speak. And and specifically, there's different resources that you can manage. You can manage your your you know your fitness. You can measure. You manage your your family, for example. You can manage your faith. You can manage your your finances. All these different things. And that sort of for that year, the theme for me was sort of this idea of stewardship, was about getting a handle on these sort of components of my life and trying to sort of start to manage them in a in a more um, deliberate way as opposed to letting them just manage themselves. So that was kind of – but if you were to specifically say fitness, for example, and you're saying, okay, sp- fitness specifically is my – is my theme then then you would look at okay what would i do what steps would i take to sort of begin uh improving my physical fitness you know mm, and, okay um i don't know if you know Stephen michael ledbetter mm-hmm. um but one thing i heard him say once is if you ask people what are all the steps that you would take to get in shape they go uh that's just so many things you say, okay, if you're going to start to get in shape right now, what's the first thing you would do? And most people can go, well, I can – first thing I'd probably do is do this. You know, So that's really what it came down to is in terms of once you've decided on your theme, you could just start knocking off. What's the first thing I would do? Okay, I'm going to do that. All right, well, once I've got that in place, what's the next thing I could do? And it's just a matter of knocking off individual tasks until you developed a healthier, more fitness-oriented lifestyle right so yeah i like that so that was just kind of the approach that that i had in the same obviously if your theme was finances to improve your finances you would maybe start monitoring your income monthly and start 
developing a monthly budget and telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went and stuff like that, right? So, yeah. so do you yeah, so. do you talk to your clients like this? Like, do you try encourage them to do this type of thing, or is this sort yeah. of a new thing for you? Um, I would say that like I wouldn't necessarily talk about the theme specifically, but it's more the the approach that I take with my clients. So I would say, you know, I have that sort of one step at a time approach as opposed to saying, okay, um, here's all the pieces to the puzzle, go execute this. I don't find that to be really super effective, largely because it can look fantastic on paper, but then, you know, it's it's useless that people can't execute it. Yeah. So I kind of start with a minimalist framework and say, okay, I'll say, where are you right now? And we'll get a, a feel for what they're dietary intake is like what their exercise is like and if they're literally quite literally eating everything and doing nothing then you don't want to give them too many things right you might say okay the first step i need for you to do is to do something what's something physically that you enjoy doing or that you could commit to doing and how many times per week could you maybe start doing that right now they're like well five you're like well how many are you doing right now zero so like would two be more appropriate <laughs> you know what i mean well, i could do it every day that's good so let's dial that back and let's start with two and see how that goes yeah right? yeah, yeah i really like that approach um like in our own um with our own clients we or in our books we like to make sure that if we give somebody a task it's something that that they can succeed because you know, as I'm sure as you know, like every time you succeed at something, you know, it drives, propels you forward, obviously. But right. when you fail at something, it's like sometimes like way more than two steps back. It's like because it's demoralizing as well. And, right. you know, so like if you can keep things positive, so even like a, like a hundred tiny steps are so much better than one big step that that leads to a failure. Yeah, I think the one of the big examples I really like to use is the idea of someone who sets the goal of going to the gym or exercising twice a week and hits, they do both of those workouts and they feel great. And then someone else sets the goal of going to exercise five times a week and only hits two, two of those times. In both cases, they've both achieved the same number of days of activity, but emotionally, the person who hit who aim for five and only hit two feels defeated and actually is more likely to fall off than the person who hit aimed for two and hit two and they're encouraged and maybe want to add more. So it's, it, it's as much as there is a physical component, it's largely a, a mindset game, right? Absolutely. No, that's a great, that's an excellent point. And uh, it's interesting when you look at the math that way, same, yeah, it's, same physical result, but the emotional result is quite different and could lead to uh, fail, complete failure, which is then the, then it's no longer the same physical result. Well, yeah, I'm a big proponent of the idea that like our thoughts drive our actions, right? I mean, if you think self-defeating thoughts, you know, you're just going to feel beat up and run down and ultimately that's not good. And we can affect our thought life by just focusing on things that give us, you know, small successes to build on one another right so i'll say to somebody okay you've been going to the to the gym twice a week for this period of time how do you feel about adding a third day of activity at home or maybe maybe you want to add another gym day maybe you want to add a day of yoga maybe you want to do a walk in addition to this is that do you feel up for that do you feel confident and you know those people that have built that confidence are will literally be like yeah i'm ready to go Right, like I'll I'll pull people back to the point where it's almost like those racing cars. You remember those cars oh, used yeah, to yeah. pull them back, and they would like Shh. so like hold people back to the point where they're like, I just want to do more, and I'm like, just hold on. And then when you release the car, it just wants to shoot forward, right? So that's kind of I guess the approach that I want to take. I call it like the first date analogy, right? You leave them wanting more, <laughs> you, right? You don't just <laughs> You know, you just like make them want to exercise more than you'll allow them to, and then they'll you'll they'll want to get more out of that. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> Leave them wanting more. That's no, perfect. Uh, so I met my wife when I was like 15, so I have no clue about these first dates, but I'm just, you know. You had one first date in 15. 
Hello. She's way passing, passing through the background, like, tucking over there. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so it was a long time ago, but but still. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Um, yeah, it reminds me there's a, um, I forget which TV show, I think it was Seinfeld, where George suddenly dis- discovers that people, um, he discovers that he leaves people wanting more. He gets to come back again. And so, like, as soon as he makes a joke and he sees somebody laughing, he goes, gotta go. And he just leaves, like, every time. <laughs> but then every time he comes back, people are, like, looking forward to him coming back until he just pushes it too far and takes that second joke. So so it's a great analogy. And leave him wanting more. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I tried to explain that to my daughter the other night. We tried to take her away from this Christmas light show that we had went to and... Uh, she's like, you, I'm not done. I'm not. I'm having fun. I'm like, but we want to leave when you're still enjoying it. You don't want to get bored and then leave because you have one of us good a memory. But she wasn't buying it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't reason with seven year olds. No, no, no. Very true. All right. So, um, yeah. So leave them wanting more. Um, so how how do you? I mean, what are the most? We all see people starting off in the gym, like. I don't know. I mean, I go to the gym. Yeah, I'm assuming, and you say you go to the gym too. Um, you see, like, tons of people coming the first part of the year, and then it sort of uh, dwindles, dwindles down. An obvious sign of uh, of, uh, of overcommitment, I guess, and like, you know, super over exuberance. Sometimes I see people in there, you know, like my wife and I often go on the same different days, and we go to the same gym though. So we'll see that there are people there that we recognize, like five days a week, like you're saying. But right, then after, yeah. but then after a couple of weeks or a month, it's no longer there. You rarely see them again, and um, sometimes they just don't even come back. I think that's, I think that's a good model for the gym because I think they keep paying, but they don't ever, uh, they don't ever show. But it's not really good for, it's not really good for their fitness levels, but it's also not good for their motivation, right? Um, how do you? You talked about the theme, I guess, but how do you guide somebody in, in picking something that's a realistic for this sort of a, a long-term goal, like a resolution that they can keep? It's hmm. a good question. It's funny, relative to the other point you're making about gym members, I worked at a gym years ago. We had 10,000 active paying members on the roster. It was probably about July we looked at it, and the weekly number of people coming through that swiping into the gym was 500 500 out of 10,000 out of 10,000 so you had 10,000 paying members and the same 500 were basically we're currently visiting so you got 9,500 people that are not coming that are paying wow some of them some of them literally hadn't come for years but they didn't want to cancel in case their membership went up (laughs) (laughs) right like I'm paying $20 a month I'm not gonna cancel in case I ever want to come back I'm like yeah but you haven't been for five years though so anyway yeah yeah no that's that's definitely well like they're convinced i'm going to go again next month i'm going to go again next month right um so sorry to get back to your main point um how do i get i really i try to not to encourage people to focus on the end numbers like i really if someone says to me for example i want to lose 20 pounds the problem is to me is that weight is not a is not an action it's not a behavior right you have no direct control over your weight i mean you have direct control over the things you do that will affect your weight but even sometimes if you're doing everything perfectly your body weight is not going to respond in the way that you would hope it would i mean i especially i mean happens more in my experience for women than it does for men um, you know, guys stop drinking soda and all of a sudden they're down 20 pounds, whereas the wife makes the same change and she d- loses three pounds, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really, I personally just try to focus on the behaviors as opposed to the outcomes, which means, and if someone says, okay, well, realistically, how much weight can I lose in the next year? Well, then you can have a discussion, but it's all dependent on, on, you know, their body weight at the time, for example, and their, 
level of training. If you've got somebody that's very, very obese, you know, um, you know, it's not impossible for someone who's 400 pounds to lose 150 pounds in a year, whereas somebody who has 40 pounds to lose before they, I'm, I don't even like saying that number, like because you really never know how much exactly someone has to lose. But if someone wants to lose 40 pounds or the, the last 40 pounds, it might be it's probably going to be more difficult for them to lose that than it was for the other person to lose the 150. So that's the reason I don't try to focus on the weight too much. I always just say, okay, like if you focus on the behaviors, the outcomes will always take care of themselves. And do you guys have a structure where you like kind of have targets or realistic targets? I'm curious to see how we would but we sort of do a lot of the same the same things like um my wife a lot of the people she deals with they are you know she deals with a lot of people that are you know in chronic pain or Mm -hmm. rehabilitation things like that she deals with emotional eating um like she helps people with emotional eating uh, a lot of that sort of stuff and and really like a lot of people they they Ultimately, most of them do want to lose weight, but a lot of people want to also, it's a more nebulous, they want to be healthier. Like something has, something Mm. has happened, they've gotten sick or they are recovering from being sick and they've had some sort of a wake up call and it's more than just losing weight, although weight loss is often quite a, a component. And so it's harder to, I mean, it's harder to say, I want to be healthier and then, and then track that. So in a lot of, you know, you can track it over the year, over a year or six months, or you can look at a lot of parameters and you can assume or like make an educated guess that because these parameters have changed, you're healthier. But a lot of times uh, we have to go by like, how do you, how much better do you feel? which can be subjective. Right. Um, so, so it comes down to a lot of actions, how that, which you can track, right? right? How did I, how well did I eat this week? Um, did I go to, um, did I get in to the two movement sessions this week or exercise sessions or gym sessions? And was I able to walk, you know, increase my walk, my steps from sometimes two to three thousand steps a day up to like whatever the net you know five thousand steps a day or six thousand steps a day something you know real and realistic or well, in realistic steps yeah i think that's i think we're on the same page and especially in the sense that i like to have objective measures of of the actions like it's not like i'm going to exercise more like they say i want to be healthier i'm like okay well what we can do is take some actions that make us generally healthier of course so we want to begin begin doing more physical activity we want to making start making more nutritious choices with our food so more you know nutrient dense whole foods and stuff like that and then but then when it comes down to actually applying that you can't just say i want to eat healthier like i'll say we'll have to set in set some kind of 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 objective goal so if someone says okay i'm going to have at least one serving of vegetables per day because usually my serving of vegetables is carrot cake um you know i'll say okay like so we'll say we can have we're gonna have one serving of vegetables per day and then it's a yes or no answer there's no there's no fogginess about it right you want to have something very objective so that's that's how i would sort of i would sort of strategize with somebody about those kind of things but i would be specific about the objectives like even in actions okay how many times per week are you going to be active well you know i i I missed my walk this week but you know i did clean the house and you know so we have you have to be very clear about what you're defining as what so that obviously you're not blowing one thing off and just calling them equal right correct yeah. Like, a, yeah, I watched this really active show on Netflix. Oh, okay then. <laughs> my heart was really racing. Yeah, it was just, I watched some uh, horror movie and my heart was pounding. That so counts, it's like right? pretty much the same. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so I think it's very good about to be specific about the actions you want to take and just kind of trying to build one on, one on top of the other. I'm also a big fan of nutritional tracking and 
in terms of like tracking caloric intake and uh you know there's there's pros and cons to that um but especially in the beginning i like for people to develop that as a habit just as just in terms of mindfulness and seeing what is in foods eventually i think people can i feel that people can develop a more um intuitive style of eating but i do like for people to have you know in the beginning some objective targets well at first i just have people track and then ultimately instituting some kind of objective targets for people to aim for just so they understand what is in the foods they're consuming because usually that's a big that's a big shock for people the first time they see that oh yeah i mean our foods there's definitely a disconnect our intuition is not really in line with the kinds of food we eat it's so it's so foreign right. to what our bodies you know traditionally expect from even like a hundred years ago so right it takes like an it's really a i think it is a good lesson and like we we do something similar like we have a lot of times we have people not counting at first but after a few weeks we start sending them giving them homework like pick your favorite foods and start doing some research on the calories and then mm. do some math and see how many calories a day in theory you're supposed to eat and how do those stack up like how many of those chipotle burritos can you eat <laughs> and they're like oh like less than one <laughs> How many the, can I eat or uh, how many should yes, I eat? That's yeah, the question. That's right, yeah. Yeah, so it's uh it's definitely uh, it's 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 quite an eye opener sometimes when yeah. Yeah, I think especially with intuitive eating, I think that the way foods are developed now, especially like processed foods, they're super palatable, right? I mean, and they're just made in such a way that calories are so dense, so easy to consume them. I mean, if I were to intuitively eat all the time, I would intuitively eat a barrel of Nutella every day. Oh, right? yeah. So. And it's really misleading. Like, even sometimes we see these, uh, like, I picked up this thing that was like a, it was a protein cookie. And mm. I looked at, and it said, you know, 20 gram and no, no, big letters, 20 grams of protein. So I picked this thing up, and I look at the back, and um, I looked, 20, I assumed 20 grams of protein. Okay, that's fine. And we look at the calories. And it said, like, you know, 270 calories. And went, okay, that's not too bad for 20 grams of protein for, like, a little cookie. But then you look at the number of servings, and it was two servings. And oh. it takes two servings to get to that 20 grams of protein. And But that also means over 500 calories for this for this cookie. And so that's quite a, quite a surprise. And, like, when we... we we used to collect these. We do a lot of this math. Like when we look at products that look interesting to us, we pick them up and look. And it's interesting. Sometimes these cookies, like not the protein cookie, but pro this really good-looking homemade sort of a soft-batch cookie we saw at a gas station once, 3.75 servings. Like 3.75. So that's And so like this cookie added up to like 600 and 650 calories, 670 calories, something like that. But like, who decides this 3.75? And like, who, you know, no one's going to, you know, you're not going to find 3.75 for, you know, people to split this between. Yeah, nobody's doling that out in the car to their, oh, you take a bite, and you, and it's not happening. Yeah, yeah, and at best they're going to, at best they're going to divide it in half. But still, it's like 350 350 calorie uh, treat right there then. Yeah, I mean, if they're married, they're probably going to want to divide it in half, right? Like, so it's like. Do you want a cookie? No, and then you get come back with your cookie, and then. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I bought the big one. Yeah, that's why I got the big one in the first place. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, it's I, I don't know. I, I I assume that's to make it look as though the calorie intake is lower. I've talked to um, I've seen Yoni Friedhoff. I don't know if you're mm -hmm. familiar with him, but I've seen him uh, getting upset about getting wound up about the uh, the portion portion oh, sizes yeah. and things being unrealistic unrealistic portions right i mean if if something is in a bag like a bagged candy nobody's resealing that bag <laughs> <laughs> nobody's resealing that or like you're gonna you know those people that you meet and they're like yeah i have one square of this chocolate every day and i'm like how do you do that like once yeah. you open the foil it's done right the chocolate bar is you know. For me, it is. But I mean, I know people like um, like my mom used to 
get like a like a little candy bar and she'd like make this one Snickers bar last for three days. Yeah, see, it's like any any bar is a snack size if you try hard enough, right? <laughs> I mean, so That's you just right. have to you have to you have to know yourself, obviously, and and I know with most of my clients, you know, they're like, you know, I. I'm not really necessarily a big fan of those, you know, 100 calorie snack size bars per se. I mean, we know it's just a smaller version of the bigger bar, but at least if you if you have that, well, you, you can't. You, once it's open, you can't eat more than what is in the package. Right. Right. So at least, at the very least, you're you're minimizing you know, what you're going to be able to consume, right? Yeah, and I think when it comes to those things, like we have, like we buy cashews, like from Trader, I don't know if you have Trader Joe's there, but we have these place store called Trader Joe's, and it is more cost-effective to buy the nuts in a, one big, huge bag. But you can right. also buy them in individual, like one a bag of bags. Right. And even though it's a little bit more expensive, it's, it's, it's limiting because right. you would have to open up a whole other bag every time you know so like it's a uh, and i don't want to do that that's you know it's a that's my it's pre-portioned you know and i know what how many i can eat and uh, so it really it helps me that's a good strategy especially because if your partner's in the other room they hear the bag rattling <laughs> like is that like four and you're like uh i don't i don't know what happened there yeah that's uh that's, that's a good strategy. I know, like, I, and I, I always think about that, like, when I if I put something in my daughter's lunch, for example, like a like a treat of some kind, you know, those, like, I don't know, like, uh, fruit roll-up or something. Like, it's one bag, and that's that's it. Whereas, you know, if you, if it's at home and there's a box of them, you could you could easily get into them, tear through the whole thing, right? Not that I've, not that I've ever done that, but... Um, but yeah, that's individualized portions is definitely is definitely helpful. Yeah, I just wish they would. I, actually I, sealed, right? I just wish they would do these individualized portions of healthier foods, because a lot of I mean, right. you know, instead of hundreds, you know, snack packs of Oreos, hundred, you know, here's your Oreo and a half. It's a hundred hundred calories. But baby steps. Yes, baby steps. you know they have like the. I know they have like the cheese strings, but they, here they actually have like just like a cheddar cheese in a container, like in a plastic. Yeah, we have that here too. It's to like get a, like one like ounce. A, like a stick of cheese. Yeah, so it's just one of those things that like instead of just sitting there with the brick and cutting off pieces, it's pre-portioned, right? So once you walk out of the room with it, it's less you're less likely to kind of saunter back into the kitchen, right? Well, it's a good lesson for people too because they look at it and they go, "Oh, that oh, that's that's a portion because you cut off a piece of cheese and, you know, most people pick off a big big chunk of cheese and right. it's you know, usually like 2 ounces, not the 1 ounce that's a portion size." So, another good lesson. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So, you mentioned you like tracking. But do you have any like specific tools that you would recommend for tracking? With my clients specifically, I generally use MyFitnessPal not because it is super fancy or better than all the rest. I just like it for uniformity. I can see other people's diaries and see how they and give them feedback on there. Um, I also like it because I could build my own back-end tracking software. Um, but ultimately, I want clients, if and when they stop working with me, to be able to continue on using what I've taught them to use and not have to go figure out something new. So I'll just generally um, – what I don't have people do is use the calorie intakes that it recommends on there. Mm -hmm. For the most part, when I start working with people, I'll often have them just make a habit of continuing to eat how they're currently eating and just tracking – their intake for a period of time, say two weeks. And then we'll just kind of look at the trend. Usually during the week is less. And then, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you'll see it trend upwards calorically and their protein intakes will be woefully low. And you'll notice they don't have very much uh, fruit and vegetable intake throughout, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'll say, okay, looking at this, you know, you say your goal is to lose weight. Your average daily intake is this. 
So maybe our our goal would be to set a target range that's slightly below that. That's and they're good. like, wasn't well, there some calculation? I'm like, sure, there's calculation, but they're but they're estimates, and the the best way ultimately to individualize, in my opinion, is to just take what you're eating and eat less than that. And you know, so we just go a little bit below mm. again, follow that, you know, try and stay within that range. And and then you know, once they've established that habit, then it can be okay. I've noticed that you. Um, haven't eaten any vi- vegetables in six weeks <laughs> so so maybe that's something that we can that we can work on introducing so i'd like you to stay within this range and now we're going to start introducing one daily vegetable you know like one serving daily and then maybe you'll be like okay we're going to have a protein target range somewhere in here and so we start to and you start to see piece by piece their nutrition starts to come in line and I'll give them recommendations as to what are what ideas are but I don't tell them okay you have to eat xyz it's more a matter of okay what what protein sources do you like what things you know if you're if you're vegan obviously you're not going to be eating meat sources so you have, we have to find other protein sources that work within to help get you closer to that range so that's just generally what I use the tracking for as a means to make us help me be help them be mindful of what they're consuming and then help me to to guide them from my end, right? Gotcha. That's good. I like so, my fitness pal as well. And I think it's a good it's a good choice. Yeah, and I mean I my my caveat and I always warn my clients, of course, is that you can't necessarily automatically trust what has been entered, so you know, I'll say like if it's if it's not been validated or it doesn't have the little check mark in there, then you might have to go back and just confirm it against something like calorieking.com or especially if you go to a restaurant and you're out somewhere, somebody else might have misentered and the next thing you know you're eating a three calorie muffin, you're like, yes, I can eat ten of these. So I just make a point to encourage people like if it seems like completely unreasonable, you should probably. You should probably confirm that on the nutrition on the website, and then if you have questions, come to me about that. So just to make sure that, you know, we all know that we tend to under-report what we eat and over-report our activity anyway. So, you know, there are errors, but at least you have some kind of measure. I think it was Yoni Friedhoff who said something to the effect of tracking calories isn't a perfect way to get nutrition info. But it's better to throw a dart at a target with one eye covered than with both eyes covered. That's good. Right? So, I mean, it's not perfect, but it's certainly better than shooting blind. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I mean, people say that it's uh, that it's inaccurate, A, that the, that the food can be plus or minus 20% as right. far as calories go. And I say, yes, that's true. But most people eat fit the same stuff almost all the time like you eat different combinations but if you find if you if you're tracking and you find that you're not losing weight based on those things then it doesn't really matter you're you just need to look you either need to reevaluate what you're eating or eat less of it because um on average you're still going to do okay I mean, millions of people successfully lose weight by counting calories it's accurate enough for most people um, you would have to truly have bad luck to find all of the foods that are underrepresented by 20, under underestimated by 20 percent. And, yeah. uh, you know, a, or yeah. Yeah, yeah so. I agree. And, I, you know, I, I kind of think about I think about that a lot. And like I've had clients that have said, you know, I'm not losing at this. And this is kind of like the base of what I should like if I'm at 1200 calories, then I should be losing xyz and i'm like in all likelihood you're not consuming 1200 calories a day and they'll say well well, i am and i said if i was to put you on a one of these you know uh, very low calorie diets like these optifast type diets or or whatever and give you 1200 calories of pre-portioned liquid shakes for the week and put you on that do you think you would lose weight on that and you know like well yeah i mean i guess so i'm like because it's the same number of calories right like well 
Yeah, I might have had a few bites. My daughter's plate was like, and you start to realize those little pieces that you have, and I'm like, so, you know, I, I find that sometimes, not sometimes, most of the time, if that's the case, where we're just underreporting, mm-hmm. and it just means you just have to bump down your intake, your track intake a little bit, right? Well, I think the other the other thing is that these formulas are all be, are, they're just estimates, so they're based right. on doctors and scientists tracking people in groups over time, plugging them in, coming up with some formula that meets that, and then they get adjusted over time, but it's just a starting point. They probably tracked like hundreds of people to come up with that right. formula. Some of I mean, it's average of all of those people. So some of them, that ca- the calorie formula would not have worked, and some of them it did. Some of it worked too well. So... And the biggest thing with when you plug in those numbers for yourself to find out how many calories you need to, to intake to lose weight or to maintain is most people don't have a good handle of what their activity level are, is. So most people, right. are, most people are active sedentary, even though it, and you, don't wanna, you never want to choose that sedentary in the formula. But most people are sedentary most of the day and only active when they go to the gym or a couple times a day. So um, so a lot of times people overeat. So like you really, no matter what you do, if you're tracking and you're using tracking to try to lose weight or even gain weight, you have to do it for a week or two, see how it's working. And if you're not losing, then you need to adjust something up or something down. Yeah, I think um, it's kind of refer, referring to the average you're talking about. There's this range, right? And I had a client one time who she was, you know, she's quite active. She's very fit, but she just wanted to get a little bit leaner. And, you know, we we looked at her intake and it was somewhere like, I don't know, somewhere around 20, 20 times body weight in pounds. And so, um, so generally, like in, for fat loss, I find most people end in, end up in like, 10 times body weight to 12 times body weight in pounds is their their calorie average, right? So someone's, you know, 120 pounds, somewhere between 1,200 and, say, 1,300, 1,400 calories per day would be where I would typically see them losing weight. Mm. Um, but this one lady, she was at she, – she was up close to 20 – and we actually ended up at about 17 times her body weight, and she was steadily losing. Wow. She's very active. And, and yeah, but she was so she was training four days a week for an hour a day. But other than that, like just not. I mean, she was a personal trainer. She worked in the gym, but her actual workouts were only four times a week. She was just, you know, her her metabolic rate or whatever it was allowed her to lose weight at a higher intake than would normally be expected right and then i've had people who are very overweight have to be at like 7.5 or eight times their body weight just to get their weight moving so Mm -hmm. there is obviously that range right which is or or the standard deviation as we like to call it in nerd world (laughs) (laughs) i hear you i hear you awesome i'm going to put you on the spot for a second before we go and i'm going to say i'm going to ask you two things what, yeah. what is the, we'll start with the, the well, in on a positive, so let's start with this one. What is the, what is an example of a New Year's resolution and the, and the health, a health-related New Year's revolution that is, uh, that is not good, that is probably doomed to failure? I would say something like anything with a deadline inside of 12 weeks, I don't like. <laughs> so, um, for example, uh, you know, I'm going to lose 40 pounds in the next 12 weeks. Not to say that somebody can't lose 40 pounds in the next 12 weeks, because I believe that's entirely possible. Um, but whether that's going to be sustainable in the long term uh, is is what I question about that. So I think of it maybe in the long term it's doomed to failure. Okay. And and. You know, somebody once said, I think it was Gretchen Rubin at a talk I was at recently. Somebody said something to the effect of uh, a successful weight loss, long-term successful weight loss program will have milestones, not deadlines or not endpoints. 
So instead of saying I am going to end at 40 pounds in the next 12 weeks, because somebody could lose 40 pounds in the next 12 weeks and still succeed, but it's the mindset of going beyond. So the so they might say something like the first milestone for me would be to aim towards 40 pounds in the next 12 weeks. Awesome. Think of it about it instead of a milestone, instead of an end point, it's like or a mile marker on a marathon. You want to know where you're going, mm. make sure you're going in the right direction. But as soon as you say it's an end point, that's probably what it's going to be, right? Yeah, yeah. great. And then so what is why well, you kind of just gave us a good example. So like reiterate, like what is an example of a good one? Yeah. Well, to me, a good a good New Year's resolution then would be something. First of all, that's that's realistic, I guess. If you're if you absolutely have to pin a number on it, then I would say, especially if it's weight loss related, I might suggest something like, um, you know, one to two pounds a week, even 0. 0.5 to two pounds a week of weight loss. Um, got a, got a trespasser over there. Hmm. Sorry. Um, yeah, like 0. 0.5 to two He's pounds hung- per week. He's weight hungry. Loss. He's hungry. He's hungry. <laughs> Give him some prepackaged cashews. And, uh, and yeah, so, so do some, uh, 0.5 to two pounds per week. Probably my, my preference would be to lean towards the lower end as opposed to the higher end and just focusing on maybe a milestone, a realistic milestone. So 12 pounds in, in, inside of 12 weeks being a milestone would be something that might be realistic. Again, I would prefer to focus on. For 12 weeks, I'm going to do physical activity twice per week. There you go. With an emphasis on increasing the number of vegetables I eat to from one serving per week per day to two servings per day. You know, something like that. More, right. more, action. more action specific as opposed to outcome specific. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you, Mark. So, Mark, if uh, people want to get in touch with you, find out more about you, tell us where they can find you. Yeah, so basically um, the easiest way to get a hold of me is on social media because I am uh, I love social media. Mostly um, if you look up Christ Centered Fitness on Facebook, you will find me there posting videos and, uh, and some informational stuff and occasional memes for your personal entertainment all right sounds good i will put a link to that in the show notes for anybody and uh, it's great it's been great having you on mark thanks roland appreciate it and i look forward to you're welcome i look forward to seeing uh, i'm going to be doing my own resolutions and i'm going to make them action focused and uh, And i will expect you to post those on the on the internet for us to keep you accountable i will do that (laughs) i will do that sounds good all right thanks mark have a great night Thank you, you too. Remember to subscribe to the Eat, Move, Live 52 podcast. Then head out to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play and give us a rating and a review. It helps other people just like you find our show.